Awesome. Thank you, Emily. Hope you guys are doing well this morning. We are uh, going to dive right in after I grab my stool. Um, dive right into what we what we've been looking at as we talked a bit about surrender, and so we're really venturing out into left field today. Okay, we're talking about the gospel, right? I mean, it's like eyelids are already getting heavy. Like, okay, I know this. Like, what in the world? But you know, I think that this is uh, this is critically important. This is week week one of a two week part that I'm doing. And um, this week we're going to talk about kind of this foundational piece, this gospel, and unpacking the reality of the gospel. And next week, a little bit of how uh, we apply this into our lives. And so uh, I think you'll get that, uh, you know, a teaser for that from, uh, from this message. So I want to start with um, a lot of this, this message, you know, is a, is a big part of a testimony of my own life, right? I was 10 years old. I grew up in a, um, in a in a church with my family, going to church every week in a mainline denomination. And, um, and I remember when I was 10 years old, um, choosing to walk down the aisle and go meet with that pastor that was on the front row in a suit. And, uh, and I had to fill out a little card and I remember my hand shaking. I literally remember probably the first time in my life. I remember feeling a lump in my throat. I'm like, Oh my gosh, what is that feeling I have in my throat? Cause I was so nervous to go pray this prayer with this pastor and become a Christian. Right. And so when I was 10 years old, my question for you, which is kind of what I was reflecting back on, is in receiving, in the moment, if you're a Christian, the moment that maybe you prayed a prayer, what did you intend to have happen? Think about your moment, if you had a moment. What did you intend to have happen? Because what I intended or what I understood about the gospel in that moment was that by praying this prayer, the sins that I have, that I'm guilty of, that, you know, I can be forgiven of. And the guilt that I feel for the bad choices that I've made, you know, whatever bad choices a 10-year-old can make, the bad choices I've made, the guilt of those can go away. And that I get a ticket that one day when I die, I get the I get in heaven ticket, right? And that was what I understood about the gospel. And so... The reality of what that meant for me is like, okay, in this gospel that I understood was, okay, now what? And what I experienced moving forward was, okay, I've prayed my prayer. I'm now a Christian. If someone comes up to me and, and, and asks me the question, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? I would be able to say yes, because I had this moment to look back on and say, I became a Christian at age 10. I remember the lump in my throat, right? But... The next 13 years of my life until I was 23, I I mostly I look back on and I mostly realize that Christianity for me from that point forward was mostly a a moral code, a moral standard to live by. And so I tried to to manage my life and tried to make good choices and not sin. And so I lived in the sin management game. But I really didn't know what to do. You know, I guess I would be challenged to try harder and read my Bible or pray more or go to church. But I didn't know how to live the Christian life. And I don't know what you what you intended and what version of the gospel that you heard. But a part of what we're talking about today is the gospel. And I think we have to start with the most common gospel, a gospel that is focused on conversion, which is what I experienced, you know, up until age 23. You know what I experienced the gospel of Jesus Christ to be. 
And so my challenge for you is to wrestle with what version of the gospel did you hear? Because what we see Jesus preaching as the gospel is something very different and very much more than a conversion message of a gospel. Jesus comes onto the scene. We can see this as he begins his ministry. And if, if you look at the gospel of Matthew in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, he comes on the scene and he says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, again, in that season of my life, until I was um, a senior in college, I understood repentance to be you turn away from the sin that you've been partaking in and go 180 degrees in the other direction. So you quit sinning and you don't sin again. That's what repentance meant. And I came to find out later that is not what that word means. If you look at what that word means in the Greek, metaneo, it means to change your thinking. And so my understanding of repentance had a significant effect on my effort to try to manage sin is that I was responsible for trying not to sin and to manage sin. And that was the Christian life. I need to make good choices and I live to, need to live by a moral standard. And as long as I try to live by that moral standard and make good decisions and I when I sin, I ask God to forgive me and I try to repent and not do that sin again. Like that's what I understood the Christian life to be. And friends, the Christian life is a lot more than that. And that's why we're talking about the gospel. That's why the gospel is good news for you and for me. If you grew up under the understanding that the gospel is about leading someone to a prayer of conversion that is not in the scripture. You know that we've built the function and the reality of the kingdom of God and the invitation into the into the kingdom of God about praying a prayer that is nowhere to be found in scripture. And that, be, that should be a little scary for us. Nowhere in here does it say, lead someone now to pray this prayer, and this is the prayer that they pray. Yet that has clearly become the pattern. And the reality is, that prayer that you pray, I want to make Jesus Christ Lord of my life, and I want, to, want him to forgive my sins. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins, and, and he can take them away, and I can get into heaven when I die. The plan in that prayer is for what is down here, my life, one day to be able to go up there. That down here can go up there. But the reality of what Jesus taught about the gospel is that up there gets to come down here. It's about, Father, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That Jesus' gospel, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. That word repent means change your thinking. That means if you're going to change your thinking, you have to first recognize what you're thinking. And then look at scripture and look at what Jesus is asking and look at what Jesus is inviting us to obey and recognize, is there a change, and is there a transformation that the gospel is inviting me to live by? You see, this gospel, the reality of what Jesus is saying is that it's about living in the present reality of the kingdom. That the kingdom of heaven is not just this far off place that you get to go when you die. That's true. But there is more that the kingdom of heaven, he's, he's speaking this is a Jewish rabbi speaking among Jewish people, and they believed in the kingdom of heaven. They believed that God had a kingdom. But what was revolutionary in Jesus' teaching is that the kingdom of God is now available to you and to me to live in and to walk in, to grow in and to experience. And that was transformational for an understanding, and it should be transformational as an understanding for us. 
You see, that gospel message that was primarily about conversion is right and it is true that I get forgiven for my sins and I get to go to heaven when I die. But it's just not full. It's lacking. There's more. There's more involved. And that in that more full involvement, there is this invitation for me to get to encounter Christ on a daily basis. That you see, there's this this pattern that's happening in the Trinity. The Father sent the Son. Right? And if you've read through John, if you read through the Gospels, then you know that the the Son sent the Holy Spirit. So what do you think the Holy Spirit wants to do to his people? Right? There is this sending. There's there is this empowerment. There is this invitation to join God in the in his kingdom, not just to experience God for yourself, but to be able to get to be a player on the field in the game, not just on the sidelines, definitely not in the as a spectator in the stands. You get to be the game player and God's plan in the gospel. And this is good news for you and for me is to lead you into a life of transformation and then empower you by his spirit to do the things that he wants to do through you in this world. But see, if you're like me in that 13 year span where I just understood the gospel is about praying a prayer. And now what? I'm to try to be a good person. And I'm to read my Bible and I'm to pray, but I'm to go to church. But what beyond that? You see, the fullness of the gospel of repent for the kingdom of God is at hand means that kingdom is available. And now I get to learn and to grow. There is this invitation to spiritual formation. There's this invitation to be a disciple. You see, our, we, we've kind of shifted in the Western culture from this conversion plan. You know, we've shifted into a conversion plan rather than living out the reality of the gospel and the reality of the gospel is do we intend to live our life growing to and learning how to obey all the things that Jesus taught? So let me ask you again, what was your intent in praying a prayer? This thing we call Christianity is not about becoming a Christian. This thing about Christianity is about growing as a disciple. That's the biblical concept. Christian, even the term kind of came about because they needed something to call this group of people. They couldn't call them a Jewish sect anymore. So they came up with this term, and we see it three times in Scripture, that the word Christian is referred to. But countless times, disciple is referred to. And so what is a disciple? A disciple is a person who wants to be with and become like the one that they're following. So let me ask you, what is your intent? In order to understand the reality of the of of God's kingdom, we have to understand and recognize in Christianity. We have to understand and recognize what this concept of kingdom means. You see, the kingdom of God is wherever God is ruling and reigning, wherever he is governing. So if we're going to experience the kingdom of God in our lives, then he is going to be the person Reigning and governing our lives. The invitation of the fullness of, of Jesus' kingdom, when he says repent, change your thinking, he's, it's an invitation to recognize, you know what? I, am, I, I came out of the womb, you know, ready to manage my own self. If you want to recognize that we each have our own individual kingdom, just take, just take away a, 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 a toy from a two-year-old, right? You take away a toy from a two-year-old that they're actively playing with, and you're going to see kingdom that was birthed into that little person, right? Now, it might look a little bit different for you or for me as adults 
But make no doubt about it, you and I have our own little kingdom. Right? If I came to you, you know, as a man and I said, okay, let me see your wallet right now. I walked up to you and said, let me see your wallet. And I started going through your wallet and going through all the different places. You'd be like, I'm uncomfortable right now. If I, women, if I came to you and I said, can I see your purse? And I started thumbing through your purse. Do you think that your kingdom would start to show up on the scene? At least on the inside, you'd be like, hmm, feeling a little violent. I'm feeling a little, he's crossed the line. Like, this is my territory, right? This is what I'm about. This is mine and my responsibility. And all the, the, the whole point in that is just to recognize that we were born into and we live in the nature of desiring and living in the reality of our own kingdom. I'm going to let you kind of think on that for a second. Most of the tension, most of the stress, most of the turmoil that you experience in life comes from this perspective. That, you know what? We're living in our own little kingdom. And, and I think that Billy Bob over here ought to do it that way. Or I think that, you know, we need to have worships this, this, this way. Or I think that you should do this. Or I think that everybody has an opinion. Everybody has a perspective. And where that opinion and perspective is grounding your thinking, then here's the good news of the gospel. Jesus comes onto the scene and says, you can let go. Because I have come with a new kingdom and you can live in it. You don't have to live with the stress and the weight and the turmoil and the frustration of trying to manage your own life anymore. You can give away your life and I will send my spirit and he will come and and live inside of you. And he will guide you and direct you to be a person who lives with the kingdom of God to be the kingdom that you're about and the kingdom that you live in. And that's the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is not just about a conversion moment. It includes a conversion moment and it includes the reality of forgiveness of sins and that we get to get into heaven one day, but in the fullness of repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, then there is this reality of what we get to choose and what we get to submit ourselves to and what we get to learn to grow in because our passion as a disciple is to be with this one we love who loved us so much that he left heaven and came to earth, that up there came down here and led us to a place that we can have and be empowered by the kingdom of God and begin living with the kingdom of God as our focus and our priority. But I have to ask again, what's your intent? Because where our intent is to manage our own kingdom, then our kingdom is the greatest hindrance to the kingdom of God coming in our life and in the lives of those around us and the lives of those we love. Our kingdom is the greatest dam, is the greatest barrier between the kingdom of God coming in our life and the kingdom of God coming in the lives of those that we love and those that we are near. You want to ensure that your friend at work knows nothing about the kingdom. Just live as you choose to live and work without considering what God might think or what decisions might God be be on board with. But as, as, as we as disciples live and grow and desire to be transformed, desire to become like, desire for our character to be reshaped, then that can affect the person at work that otherwise you may have just have passed over. Because now there is this, this new spirit. Now is there this new governing body. Now there is this new rule that wherever you go, the kingdom of God can become present because you're going to be an agent in his kingdom. 
And it's not just about growing to become like him. It doesn't stop there. You don't just grow to become like him. You don't just have this deep passion as the primary principle of your life to know him. Now you get empowered with a supernatural power that to do things and to be a part of things that you never could do in and of yourself. Sometimes that comes out in the form of miracles. Sometimes that comes out in the form of, of healing or prophetic word. Other times it comes out as love expressing itself to change a life. It's actually caring. It's actually being considerate and patient, kind. So if we're going to be able to understand Christianity, we have to wrestle with and greater understand this principle of kingdoms. If you want to grow as a Christian, then you've got to recognize and begin noticing not just what the kingdom is about. That comes with maturity. But we have to begin noticing our own kingdom. Right. So when you're driving around in the parking lot, right, at Pont City Market and you're waiting for a parking spot and you're looking for a parking spot. And then there's that person that's finally starting to come out and you got your blinker on and you sit there for 15 seconds. And that person backs out and this little twerp comes swinging in from the other direction and takes that parking spot, right? That is a, that is a moment where kingdom comes to the surface, right? And, and, and fingers are trying not to fly up, right? And you're, you're finding yourself like, I've got my kingdom and that spot was going to be my kingdom for the next two hours and seven minutes. And this twerp took it over, right? But here's the value of that moment as a disciple. Thank you, Lord. You just pulled out from the depth of who I am a little part of me trying to have my own kingdom. Thank you for helping me recognize it and moving and growing to become a person that can say, you know what, God, I bless them. I wonder what's going on in their life. And you begin to imagine them in a completely different way because you have new eyes to see. We look at first Corinthians chapter two and, and we see Paul explaining, look, these things, this, this new reality that you're walking in, there are things, there are things that are on God's mind. And who knows the mind of, of, of a person except that person? Who knows the mind of Christ except the spirit of Christ? But he has given us that spirit that we can know his thoughts and not just live in accordance with our thoughts. The, 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 na- the natural world that's just about the physical things can't understand spiritual things because they're spiritually discerned. I'm paraphrasing this little passage in 1 Corinthians 2. They're spiritually discerned. It takes the spirit to be able to see things. And so there becomes now two landscapes in your life. The the landscape of the physical and the natural that you and I are very accustomed in living in that wants to be very angry at the person and just be mad because they're the problem. They took my spot. And maybe a landscape that sees something different and imagines it in a different way. I wonder what's going on in their life that they thought that this was a good thing and that they acted on that. Like maybe... Instead of looking for that person as they're walking through the wherever you are, you know, and looking to say, "Ooh, there they are. Right. Mm, I'm, I'm mad at that. That's the person that took my parking spot. Maybe you're looking to say, there they are, Lord. How would you have me pray for them? Because you just put them on my radar screen for a kingdom purpose, not for my purpose. It's not about me and my my kingdom. Thank you for letting that get raised up to invite me to die to self and change character. Right. Paul says, I I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Jesus Christ who lives his life in me and through me. Let me ask you, what's your intent? You see, the conversion 
message of the gospel. As I said, it is, it is, it is absolutely true. It is just not full. There is a full message of the gospel that is about more. And that more invites us to grow and to pursue and to give effort in our Christian walk. Now, effort, you know, effort can be a, sound like a four-letter word to a lot of theology. Because, you know, a, a lot of the, theology is like, well, Jesus Christ has done all these things. Like, there's nothing that we're, that we do, you know, because he's done it all, right? And that's just bad theology. The grace of God, the grace of God that is given to us is, is this invitation to be able to receive this life. As we're, we're, it's, action on our part is not to try to earn it. We're not trying to earn something from God by our performance. We're learning how to receive. So if you came over to my house and I, I just I just cooked steak and I put a and that, let's just imagine steak's your favorite meal. If you're a vegetarian, then this isn't going to work. But just imagine that I put some broccoli, you know, in front of you, whatever your favorite thing is. Right. Broccoli would not be my, it, put it right in front of you. Like I cooked it. I went to the grocery store. I cooked it. I might have grown it in my own garden if it was broccoli. Right. Or imagine I had cows in my backyard, which isn't true. Right. We had some squirrel I put in front of you. Just kidding. Steak. Right. I put the steak in front of you. It looks like something that came off Ruth Chris advertisement. Right. I got butter melting all over the top of it. And you got a fork and a knife right there in front of you. And and then you 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 leave my house later. And he's like, you know what? I went to Scott and Rebecca's house for dinner. But you didn't eat the steak. You just it was presented. It wasn't anything you did to earn it. You didn't cook it. You didn't buy it. It was just presented to you and given to you as a gift. And it was sitting before you. But you didn't act upon cutting it up, putting it in your mouth, and partaking of all that has been provided. Friends, that's the invitation in this message. That the view, the vision of what we understand the gospel to be is something that invites us to act upon and partake in. It's not just one thing that you pray to prayer and now you've got. It is this ongoing invitation reality and where it's changing and transforming you and your character and then empowers you to do things you never could do in and of yourself because the spirit is coming and he has a kingdom of God that he wants to display through you and do in you to be a vessel. And to serve and to care and to love on and to be someone different than you ever were before. But I have to ask you one more time, what was your intent? You see, a disciple is a person whose primary focus is living to be with and to living to become like Jesus Christ. This reality leads us to this invitation to a life of more. Again, next week, part two is a little bit of how. Maybe a way of how. Would help how maybe be helpful? To recognizing this invitation to act upon. Because there is this reality of it's not about trying to live according to a moral code or a moral standard. It's not about this reality of that Jesus Christ died for our sins. It is about all that, that it is also so much more. How did we get off on where we are? How did we get to this point of accepting the gospel of Jesus Christ for something maybe less than what it fully was? Like, I think one of the areas that we struggle is, okay, well, what does evangelism look like? How do I lead somebody to Christ? Because all I know is to lead them to pray a prayer. 
right? And so the, the age-old group, you know, it, you know, EE, evangelism, explosion, they're, they're amazing things that God is doing and how God is using that for his, for his kingdom and for his purposes and advancing the kingdom around the world. But it's amazing to me at how much more there is from that conversion moment that is never alluded to or spoken of, right? And it's this invitation to, to make disciples. Like, how do we evangelize people toward discipleship rather than just to evangelize them to a confession? Asking someone, okay, if you were to walk outside and get run over by a car, do you know that you would go to heaven today? And that could lead them to a point of conversion. But I think a healthier question, if we're going to look at the reality of the gospel, is if you were to go outside today and you didn't get run over by a car, but you call yourself a Christian, what do you intend to do with your life? How do you intend to live? What is your focus? What is your heart? What, what are you doing to grow to know Christ in a deeper way? How are you living as a disciple that is growing and moving to this place of transformation in your own life and, and the ability to bring people to a place of transformation in theirs, right? Youth, right? Listen to this. This could start a revolution. Ask adults, you know what? I want to be a person who lives my life to pursue Jesus Christ and obey all his teachings. Can you teach me how to do that? Scott, how does that make you feel? Imagine Andrew came to you and said, Scott, would you be a person in my life that teaches me how to live in the fullness of the kingdom of God and obey all Jesus' teachings? Did any weight just come upon you? That weight is an invitation of the gospel to be a person, to first be a disciple of Jesus Christ, and then to be able to make disciples. And my intent is not to lead you to a point of guilt. My intent is to invite you to a life that is transformational. You see, this conversion message is all about that. It is about leading someone to a conversion, and that is good. But this full message is about transformation, and that invites you to a different place. Are you living your life? Is your primary desire to be with and to become like this person. And as you're living to become like them, as you're growing as a disciple, are you, are you a person that is growing and learning from your mistakes and learning how to be able to, to take something like consider it pure joy when you endure hardship? Like, are you walking through that and fleshing that out and finding Jesus Christ in it and learning how to walk in his kingdom to the point that you can lead somebody else in doing the same thing because you grit your teeth and you cried out and you've, you've asked the Lord to change you and to be able to apply this truth into your life. What's your intent? Because, friends, where our intent was just to get the ticket, then we're caught up in our own pride. Now, maybe it'd be where we all start because that's where Jesus came and met us. But the full intent is that up there can come down here in my life and your life. And that message requires an ongoing response. Just a couple chapters later from when Jesus began his ministry in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, this is Jesus speaking. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only he who does the will of my Father 
who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now, I don't know about you, but prophesying and casting out demons and doing miracles sounds pretty miraculous. Sounds like, well, they must be getting something right. But Jesus turns in response and calls them evildoers? Because they did not know me. Welcome to the fullness of the reality of Jesus Christ's gospel. It's good news for you. It's good news for me. It's good news for all that we see in the list of the Beatitudes. Those who are poor. Those who are hungry. Those who are peacekeepers. Right? The good news of the gospel is that the kingdom of God is now available. It is sitting before you. Will you live your life to partake in it? Because he will transform you. He will empower you. And he will make you a transforming agent in the world. And it's called a life of abundance. And it's what Jesus wants you and I to have. But friends, where we have stopped at the place of having the gospel be something we accepted and we occasionally check in on, or that God is someone that we turn to in our deepest dire, in our hardest stress, and that we remember God, where our life is being lived in a direction to kind of manage our own kingdom, where our life is being distracted by all the busyness of the world, then we're missing the kingdom reality of who God's called us to be. And he will be there waiting for us to come running back again. But his passion and his desire is to fill us and to grow us and lead us to the life that he intended us to have. Four things I just want to touch on in closing. When we grow spiritually, we experience freedom. This is where he leads us into the transformation of our character to become like him. Most of the time, a lot of the time, it's a character flaw that are the choices that we're making that are sinful. He desires to lead us and to, and to do a work of transformation in us as we grow to become the type of person that would just no longer choose to do those things anymore. And it's a process at times. There are breakthroughs that can happen, but it's a process at times of learning to grow to become that person. You want out of a habitual sin? Then embrace the vision of the gospel to grow to be with him and to want to become like him and invite his spirit and invite others to come into your life and say, help me learn how to become like him. That these temptations down the road no longer are temptations because they're no longer what my heart is looking to find satisfaction in. They're no longer the escape that they once proved themselves to be. They're no longer the thing that I just get caught up in and trapped in trying to trying to run to. You know, I ask people on a regular basis that come into my office, and so you may not come to my office after this. I ask them on a regular basis, you know, in a kind of a counseling thing, like, what's your, what's your, what's your escape? Because we all have an escape. When you get stressed, when you get worn out, when life gets to be too much, what's your escape? For a lot of guys, it's alcohol. It might be porn. It might be any number of things. The point is not to point those out. The point is to say that your default is to run to something, and that is because Jesus created you in his own image. And when we are living in the reality of the kingdom, is to run into him. 
to run to know him. And only there will your soul begin to find its satisfaction. And if you think you can just do that every time, all the time, the rest of your life without training and preparing for it, then good luck. But to live as a disciple, we have to embrace something more. The second thing is grace. I've already referred to it. He empowers us to do what we could not do without him. Yes, we need God's grace to overcome the sins of our past. But God's grace is the supernatural empowerment for us to do what we could not do without him. So we, need to, we, we learn how to, to walk in God's grace. We learn how to join God by his grace as we're walking through the grocery store. We learn to join God in his grace as that person whipped in front of us. To join him and how he might have us think about them or pray for them or imagine things very different than how we would otherwise. Humility. He teaches us to trust him as we welcome, as we choose him over self. Hope. He leads us to see that God is sufficient and in control. Can you imagine the peace that comes from a heart that has grown to the place of doesn't matter what happens in life. I know that God is good and he's here and he's present and everything's okay. Welcome to the gospel that Jesus preached. Not only that he preached, but that the resurrection of a dead man back to life showed power behind it power that is available to you and me. And not only was he resurrected, he sent his spirit to come and live with inside of us, offering us a new kingdom. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you. And right now, Jesus, I ask that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven in the minds and the hearts of the people here. That, Lord, we would not look at the understanding of the kingdom that we may have had only before today, but that we examine more deeply in our hearts this invitation to a life that's fixed and focused on you. A life of abundance. A life that, uh, that, that can testify. This life's not about this life. It's eternal. And I have eternity in mind as I live and breathe this next breath. So, Father, where you desire, come and, and show us how we've been living in accordance with our own kingdom. Begin to open our eyes to, to the ways that are so natural to us that then we can in worship respond with action and say, yes, Lord, come and have your way. I choose you. I choose to, to give up my right to myself. Follow in your ways. Walk in your blessings. Transform me. And empower me to be an agent for your kingdom. Jesus, have your way. We're going to enter into a few moments of what we call ministry time. There will be a team of people on my right and left up here that are, are here to pray with you. If there's something, if there's a sin that you just feel like you've got to get off your chest and, and say, Lord, I'm ready to surrender. Would you help me walk in your kingdom? And you just need some folks to pray with you. If there's, if there's a struggle that you're going through, if there's, if there's something that you know you need prayer for, then that's what these folks are here for. This stage is opened as an altar. If you want to, to make a moment, it's, and I'll just use this old term, you know, this kind of recommitment 
But I think the gospel demands every day an invitation to imagine myself kneeling before the cross of Jesus Christ and saying, I'm yours. What if that was your first action every morning when you woke up? The first thing you did was hit your knee and say, Lord, this is your day, not mine. We do offering a little bit different here at Vintage. There's a basket on my right and left here on the stage. You can put your offering in. There's also a little box on the back wall. And maybe most importantly, up here we have communion. And by coming and taking that little cracker, gluten-free cracker, dipping in that Kroger grape juice, you are choosing to remember the cross of Jesus Christ. Because this was represents his body that was broken for you. And it represents the blood that ran down his body that was shed for you. That yes, you were forgiven of your sins and you get to enter into the kingdom of heaven, but you also get to partake today. A few minutes, I'll come wrap us back up, but I encourage you to wrestle with and respond.